hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Today we are going to start a brand new series. This series is called Knowing God. Now, our series here at St. Martin C3, we try and be uh, a little strategic. Some of them are Bible studies, like the one we did recently on the book of Philippians. Others of them are practical, like our last series, Relate, and then some are theological. So if you've been listening the last few weeks and you've been thinking, gosh, can we just sort of move on from this kind of self-help stuff? Uh, Well, then this is for you. Uh, Each of our series includes all of these elements, Bible, theology, and practical application. But we kind of focus on one thing a little bit more than the other in each of them. And this is a theological series, fueled by scripture, and the practical application will change your life. But, but this is going to be pure theology. We're going to explore the theology of God, which, when you think about it, is what theology means, right? Theology, the study of God. And there are a few things you need to know. I just have an extended introduction this morning before we begin the series. The first thing you need to know is that we're going to take some time over this. We're going to take a number of weeks because as we're going to find out this morning, studying God, knowing God, it's not simple. God is not simple. There is much for us to know about who God is. And if we only did a little bit, then we would do him a disservice. It's our hope that as the weeks go by, we'll see the different facets of the diamond that is the nature of God. As we look at his sovereignty and his justice, his holiness and his love, at his omnipotence and his unchangingness, we'll have the opportunity to fully appreciate our awesome God. The great pursuit of our life is to know God, and that's why Jesus came. But we want to make sure in this series that we do more than know uh, more about God. We don't just want to know more about him. But as the title here says, we want to actually come to know God. We don't want to fill our heads with knowledge, but have hearts that are distant from him. So just a little analogy. Imagine you are interested in a celebrity. Say it's a sports star. You read their Wikipedia, you follow them on Facebook and Instagram, you watch their TikToks maybe, you take a, a quiz on them and you pass it easily, you, you watch their sports games. Let me ask you a question. Having seen all of that, do you know them? Not really. You know a lot about them, uh, but you don't know them personally. For you to have that happen, you need to spend time with them. But as we get to know about someone, it propels us to want to actually get to know them in person and uh, get to know who they really are. And this is what Jesus says eternal life is all about. John 17, verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. We come to know God for ourselves, and we see him in Jesus. They are one and the same. But it's vital that we know who God is. When we pray, we want to pray to the God who is, not the God who we want him to be. We want to make him in our image. But, uh, sorry, we don't want to make him in our image, but we want to grow to be in his image. Yeah? Is that right? So we need to know who he really is. And the third thing, is that we're doing this uh, this series 
not only to know about God, not only to know God, but also to increase our faith. Now, it's said that the quality of your faith is not about the strength of that faith, but the strength of the thing that you have trusted. So we have some ropes hanging here this morning. You might have thought, gosh, someone didn't clean the stage this week. What are these ropes hanging for? And, and faith is not a just about. Imagine you were having to climb something or you were falling down and you needed to grab onto a rope. And it's not just about, wow, if I really believe that this rope is going to hold me, then it will hold me, right? It's actually about the strength of the thing I am putting my faith in. And so we're, our prayer, our hope is that as we go through this series, as we go through this time, that you will see and realize that you are able to put your faith in a God who is strong, who is able, who is worthy of your faith. And that you're not putting your faith in maybe a God who, who feels the same, but is not, who is not able to hold you when life is hardest and life is difficult. A.W. Tozer, A.W. Tozer has this great quote. He says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that for a while. In fact, that's a great question for your connect group this week. What comes into your mind when you think about God? And here's our, our challenge for this series. Engage with the ideas and expand your knowledge, but don't just leave it there. Commit each week to asking the question, God, how does this knowledge of you change the way I trust you? How does this change the way I obey you? How does this change the way I love you and the world that you created? How does that sound? Good? Yen? All right, we're going to be doing this for a little while, so I think we should start with some prayer, right? Let's pray and ask that through this time that God would reveal himself to us in fresh ways, in new ways, that we might worship him in spirit and truth. Can we do that? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who wants to be known. You have made yourself known. And as we study scripture and as we look into your word, we get to find out who you really are. And so I pray that any part of you that we have made in our own image, any part of you that has been formed by maybe even recent changes in sort of Christian theology or the ways that we choose to define you, the box we've put you in, God, I pray through this series that you would burst out of that box, that we would see you for who you really are, that we would stand in awe of you and love you. And we pray that would happen this morning as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, today, we're going to start with not one, but two aspects of God. And these are taken together because if taken uh, separately, we would get a wildly inaccurate, inaccurate view of who God is. I'm going to use some big words, and I just want to uh, give you permission. If we ever use big words, big theological words, and we don't explain them or we don't unpack them properly, please give us a hard time because we want to make sure that we're together on this. But my big words for this morning are transcendence and imminence. What is God like? He's transcendent and he's imminent. Right, have I overwhelmed us already? Uh, come on, we can cope, we can do this. Uh, when we say transcendent, think God is really big. And when we say eminence,
God and why they should be taken together. The first one is the transcendence of God. When we talk about God's transcendence, we're talking about God's majesty, his bigness, his, his exaltation. We're talking about that God is beyond. He's beyond our ability to describe him. He's beyond our ability to understand him. As the old saying goes, trying to understand God is like trying to pour the ocean into a teacup. Our brains are just too small to really comprehend him. Scripture reveals this high understanding of God. Deuteronomy 4 verse 39 says, So remember this and keep it firmly in mind. The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. Psalm 97 verse 9. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted above all gods. And we see parts of God's nature, that God is infinite. He exists without outside assistance. He has no limitations. God is spirit. He's not made from physical matter. God is all-powerful. He's able to do all things. God is all-knowing. He has all the knowledge in the universe. God is other. He's a completely different category than his creation. Think about how the Bible begins. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made everything out of nothing. He makes it by the sound of his voice. Now think about that. The God who created all things would be greater than those things he's created, right? If you create something, you stand above and beyond it. And God is the same. He's more powerful than any forces he created. He is the source of life. He's separate from his creation. God is outside of our reality. He's not confined to the world he created. Now, if you really want to blow your mind, think about how many dimensions God must exist in. We exist in, in four. We, uh, there's depth, there's height, there's width and time, time and space, right? The fact of creation says that God must exist outside of our physical laws uh, of our universe. There are proponents, actually, of the view that there could be more than 10 dimensions. And apparently, if you're into string theory, it could be up to 27. I'm not clever enough to know anything uh, about all of that. But what the Bible says is that if there are 10 dimensions, 10 dimensions God experiences them all, and probably more. He made them all and is above all. And why we stay in this space and place where we move in a linear fashion uh, amongst the space that we're in. God is above, above and beyond all of that. God is not like us. He is so much more. Think about how much he knows compared to us. I mean, how long does it take you to read a book? How long does it take you to get from the beginning to the end? I know some people are like, oh yeah, I read books. Yeah, but when do you start and get to the end? Some people think they're really clever if they read a blog and they can remember a couple of sentences uh, from it. That's our knowledge. We think we have quite a lot, but our knowledge is like a grain of sand on 90-mile beach in comparison to what God knows. It's so beyond anything. There's no comparison. God is totally self-sustaining. He needs nothing to survive. We're not. 
in comparison, we're always so close to death. Have you thought about how close to death we all are? If we go four days without one simple element, water, then we're goners. If we go four minutes without air, then we're done. We are frail. God is not. We are like an ant compared to a star in comparison to him. He is awesome. He is so far above in his quality of being that human thought cannot imagine how great he is. He is transcendent. This is how Paul expresses it in relation to Jesus. He says, He alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. God is transcendent. And this is so encouraging for us that the God revealed in Scripture is worth believing in. What problem can he not solve? What thing will be too overwhelming for him? Nothing. What miracle can't he achieve? How hard is it for him to heal? How hard is it for him to do anything? It's not. God is able to do absolutely everything. And I think that a lot of the problems we face overwhelm us because we don't spend enough time considering God for who he is. Our prayers are too small. We need to spend more time being awed by God's greatness and humbled by his majesty, considering him again and just saying, wow, wow. We must bow before him and completely surrender. We need to know his transcendence. However, if all we know is God's transcendence, then we actually have a problem. If God is only really big and transcendent, what's he like? He's a bit like this rope up here, this green one. He's great and he's strong. and I can see that this rope is good for me to hang on to. But there's a problem here. It's distant. And I might try and jump and grab him, but he's too far away and I cannot reach him because he's too far beyond me. He's too great. And because there is such a big difference between him and me, there's an issue. Uh, Think of a mountain. It's so much bigger than us. We're overwhelmed by its enormity. We're captivated by its longevity. But we must ask the question, does that mountain care? We can think the same about God. God God is so much higher than creation, than uh, the mountain is of us. If he does notice me, it will be just to notice how inadequate I am. He will only see my frailty, my weakness, and he'll bring judgment on me. So if we only focus on the greatness and the transcendence of God, then we have a problem. God is cold and he's distant and he's too great to possibly care about me. And that is why in the same breath as talking about God's transcendence, we need to know that he cares. And so we talk about not only his bigness, but we talk about his closeness and we talk about his imminence. When we say as God, God is imminent, we're talking about his nature that is to be present and in relationship to the world. God is so close to his creation. See, we cannot know God by ourselves. 
He's so far beyond us. We, there's no way we could use any kind of scientific process. There's no way that we can observe him because he's that far beyond us. But he wants to be known. It's part of his nature to be known. And he chooses to reveal himself in ways we can understand. He relates and makes himself known. God is involved in his creation. If you continue reading Genesis 1, you see how involved he is. He's involved with Adam. He creates him a helper. He walks with him in the garden. He punishes sin. That's how close he is. He actually cares when Adam doesn't get it right. Even though he is outside of creation, he brings himself into the everyday dealings of the world. He brings his presence to people. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Psalm 145 verse 18. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. God longs to be with people. We read all through the Old Testament about individuals God was present with. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Gideon, Joshua, Samuel, David, Mary. For each of these people, the knowledge of God's presence helped sustain them through the difficulties that they faced. He enters into covenant relationship with people where he binds himself to them. As Paul declared to the people of Athens in Acts 17, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he's not far away from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. God longs to be with people, so much so that he sent his son to reveal himself and sent his spirit to bring God's presence to be with us and dwell inside of us. It doesn't get any closer than that. We need to know God's closeness. We need to know he is not distant, but that he actually cares, that he is close to us in our need. We live in a broken world, and what it needs is not more paradigms or uh, church events or services. More than anything, what it needs is it needs the presence of God. The only thing that can heal our world is coming into a right relationship with the God who made them and wants to come close to them. I went to a Christian camp, and we had a non-Christian who came, and he told me, I don't believe in any of that God stuff. One night, however, he responded to the message, and he told me, you know, I can deny a belief about God in my head, but there's one thing I can't deny, and that's that God is so present with me right now. And with tears rolling down his face, he had an encounter with the God he didn't believe in. And it healed him. And it changed him. It's what our world needs. The result of this is joy to experience all that life is meant to be. It's also comfort as a child cries in its mother's arms so we can be close to God and find comfort in his embrace. Isn't that so amazing and so wonderful that we can be close to this God who is transcendent? However, and there is again another however, if we only think of God as being imminent, as being close, then we also have a problem. If God is imminent, then we begin to treat him too casually. 
There was a bumper sticker that came out early in the 2000s that shows the problem. We'll put it up on the screen here. It says this, Jesus is my homeboy. And there was this, this kind of been this movement, uh, largely through individualism over the last uh, few decades. And the result of it has been to uh, talk about Jesus' imminence and his closeness in such a way that it, Jesus now becomes my, my best friend. And God becomes so close to me. And there's something good about that, but then there's something very creepy about this image, isn't there? When we think about the transcendence of God, and all of a sudden Jesus is just there giving me a thumbs up, saying, hey, I'm with you. Whatever you're doing, I'm with you. The kind of image says it all. If Jesus is your homeboy, you never had to worry. You don't have to fear, because Jesus will always be there, always just a prayer away. It's just me and Jesus. We're going to face the world. And he'll always have your back. He's also not so worried if I do things which are, are wrong. When we focus only on the imminence of God, we turn intimacy into familiarity. Familiarity is just one step away from flippancy. So we might pray, hey, Jesus, buddy, be present with me today. Bless me. Give me what I need. And we start to uh, treat God as though he was optional because he's just so close and he's not going anywhere. What is an imminence only God like? He's close to me, but he's not particularly able to help me. So we've got this other rope. I'm not sure if you can see it. It's a, a black one. It's actually it's quite a nice one. It's, it's lovely and it's, it's soft and it's really stretchy, which is great because I can then move this wherever I want to move it. But there comes a problem with a stretchy rope, is that at some point, that closeness is not strong enough to be able to help you through the things that are going on in life. That closeness makes you wonder, is this who God really is? Or maybe, is this, am I actually worshipping the same God? Am I worshipping the God who is not only close but is transcendent? Or have I made him to be something that he is not? Eminence without transcendence lacks meaning. God's closeness is only special when we realize how great he is. So transcendence and eminence. If you only have one of these, then you will miss out on who God is. We need both. The danger is when eminence is low, that God can be nothing more than a bully. When transcendence is low, God is a buddy. When both are low, I couldn't think of another B-U word. God is a bunny. He's a pet. You can care for him or you can just ignore him. Uh, when both are high, God is our all-sufficient saviour. I really ran out of B-U words. But he is. He's our all-sufficient saviour. We can get close to him and enjoy his presence. But it matters and it means it makes a difference in our life because he is so great. So can I ask you today, which of these approaches describes your predominant view of God? We all have one, right? You can see it sometimes when people pray. Sometimes someone will pray and they'll be, hey, God, it's so good that you're here with me. And I thank you for being with me today and, and your presence. And, and I really love you. And then you'll have other people and they'll say, oh, dear heavenly uh, God who is above all, we beseech you as hum humble servants. And you kind of can see that coming out in some people, right? 
We even saw it the other day. Uh, how many of you saw the Queen's funeral? The Queen's funeral uh, happened on, what was it, Monday night? Beautiful, beautiful. We saw elements of both. The ceremony of the service, the majesty of the priestal robes, the old language, even the architecture of that amazing building is all designed specifically to speak to something that is somehow grander and far beyond regular human experience. It's there to say to you, hey, this building is transcendent. This building is massive because God is massive. And that's what it was there to do. But then if you listen to the message from uh, Justin Welby, he reminded everyone of the closeness of God, didn't he? And how we can all be close to him through Jesus. They both came through. I know that in regards to imminence, there are times when I can uh, treat God with a casual disregard. There are times when I think, oh, I can ignore God. But then in regards to transcendence, there are times when I wonder, does God really care about me? With everything in the universe, why would he? Just me? Really? He does care. It's part of his nature. Just as his greatness reminds me that I should never ignore him. He's too great to ignore. We must have both. We need to know the greatness and the nearness of God. And so we need to find a rope that is stable, a rope that I can hold on to, that I could, I could even, shall I swing? I'm not going to swing. Um, and it's not to do with the rope. The rope is strong. I just don't trust my knot. <laughs> but this rope is well on, and it is strong enough. So if I was falling down a cliff, I might have one. I go, oh, God is so great, but, but I can't call on him because he's too great. Or I might have one where I go, oh, God is so close and near to me, but can he really help me? I need to know that I have a God who is not only close to me, but someone I can put my weight on, someone I can trust in. Does that make sense? If you know the transcendence of God, how can you not fear him? He is infinite, completely other, we cannot describe him, let alone contain him. If you know the imminence of God, how can you not love him? He is closer than the breath we breathe. He has made himself known. Tozer says that when you encounter God's greatness, you fear him. When you encounter God's goodness, you can't be afraid. Don't you love that paradox? This is our God. This is who he is. Not a God we're making up, one who is revealed by Scripture to be great and also good. And what we're going to find is, as we're going to find so many times this series, is that this all comes together in Jesus. After declaring Jesus as the Word who created all things, it says this about him. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus is at once glorious and present. He is completely faithful and true, and he cares. What a staggering truth. Though Jesus, uh, through Jesus, the God who is outside of the universe, who created the universe, is accessible to every searching heart. When you see the two together, it should change everything about the way that you approach life. When you walk out of these doors, you know that you have a God who is with you 
and a God who is so mighty and so great that he is worth submitting to and worth obeying. When you pray, you pray to a God who is able and a God who cares. When you uh, choose to spend time with him, you know that you are coming humbly before him, but at the same time confidently because of what Jesus has done for you. And I think this all comes together in worship. So can I have the, the band behind me? When you see these things together, you stand in awestruck worship. We're going to head into this uh, time of, of worship shortly. And it's the best response to understanding God's greatness and his closeness. Because in worship, we exalt the God who is great. But we also choose to come near to him. Some songs of worship focus on God's transcendence. Think songs like, uh, Awesome God, Shout to the Lord, How Great Thou Art, We Exalt Thee, A Thousand Hallelujahs. They're all singing about the greatness of God. And as we do that, something powerful happens. We're reminded of how God deserves our honor and how He deserves all glory. He deserves His due. We're submitting ourselves before Him and saying, You're in charge, God, and I'm not. I'm going to be humble before you. Some songs focus on God's imminence. Actually, I saw something on YouTube yesterday, which kind of disturbed me a little bit, but it's kind of true. It was a, a, a quiz saying, is this a, a worship song or a love song? And people had to take two lines and to figure out, is this uh, you know, Elevation Church or is this Taylor Swift? And actually, it's kind of hard to tell the difference sometimes. <laughs> It's part and parcel of uh, we've sort of moved more into the imminence phase. But there is something true about that. When we sing about our intimacy and our closeness with God, we should want that kind of relationship with Him. And some songs focus on that. Think, oh, how He loves us. The blessing, great is thy faithfulness. Wairuatapu, oceans, no longer slaves. Any version of Psalm 23. There's a great sense of intimacy in these songs. There is a sense that God and I are connected in a personal and meaningful way. We, we need that. Then there are some great songwriters that celebrate both. Think, what a beautiful name. You know, his name is beautiful, but it's also powerful. Amazing grace. Grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Living hope. Uh, 10,000 reasons, your name is great and your heart is kind. I'm going to sing these uh, songs and that reflect this dynamic this morning. Uh, the first of them is called He Reigns, which has this great line, uh, sorry, You Reign, which says, A holy yet near to me. Great songwriters get this right. Who wrote that song? Not sure. <laughs> I wrote that one. <laughs> Phil, Phil Parks, one of our great songwriters. Transcendence and Eminence, there you go. Uh, coming out of the heart of our church here. We want this to be part of our heart cry, that we know the greatness of God, but that we also experience Him closely. Can you stand to your feet this morning? The result of transcendence is wonder. The result of imminence is love, and both come together as we sing. This isn't just anybody we get to meet with. This is the King of Kings. This is the most powerful creator of all things. This is the Lord of the universe, yet he wants to be present with us. What a privilege it is to worship. God is.
God is here. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.